0: What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of College Hockey Talk. I'm your host, Matt. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And on today's podcast, we have our first-ever media member, Natalie Nori. However, before we get to her interview, I'd just like to ask if you can please follow our social media accounts on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at College Hockey Talk. Also follow our Spotify page and subscribe to our Apple Podcast page and leave a rating and review. Doing these things helps our podcast grow and helps new people find us and I would really appreciate it if you did those things. Like I mentioned earlier, our guest today is Natalie Nori. She is the ringside reporter for the UNH Wildcats. This was a fun interview. I had a really good time doing this one. Uh, we talk about many different things throughout this interview. We talk about Natalie's media career, and we talk about her journey and how she got to where she is today, and we also talk about this year's hockey season and her opinion on what has been going on for both the men's and women's side. So it's just an overall great interview with her, and before we get to this interview, I just want to announce something i guess for the podcast is every friday i'll be doing a media member episode this is something i've been considering doing for quite some time and I've always wanted to do this uh, just because I'm really interested in sports media and this is a career path I want to pursue and I want to talk to people in the sports media field about their experiences and I feel like this is a good platform for me to do that. Uh, so I'm really excited to be introducing this to the podcast. So every Friday there will be a sports media member. Um, it might not even be college hockey related. It might be a football reporter, a baseball reporter, or a baseball play-by-play announcer. It could be anything. And I think I'm really ex- I'm really excited to introduce uh, introduce this to the podcast and I'm excited that Natalie Nori is our first guest and first media member uh, for this type of Um, episode that we're gonna be doing every week so just a little reminder that every Friday there will be a media member episode I've got two scheduled Um, hopefully we'll get more scheduled in the future but for now for the next two Fridays this Friday and next Friday there will be a media member episode so I just want to announce that and I'm very excited to introduce this to the podcast however Natalie Nori was a great interview Uh, she's obviously works in college hockey so without further ado here is her interview enjoy everyone Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I'm joined by a very special guest, UNH ringside reporter, Natalie Norrie. Natalie has been featured on Nesson and the official Hockey East YouTube page as well, where she has interviewed many stars like Alex Newhook and Aaron Frankel. Uh, Natalie, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this means a lot to me since I'm starting off my sports media career, and you're the first media person to agree to come on the podcast, so I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you, Matthew, for having me. It's an honor to be here. I feel happy that you invited me on and happy to be the first media member, so I'm excited for our conversation.
0: No problem, and Obviously, the pandemic has been going on for about a year right now. Um, How has the pandemic affected your job and covering college hockey, and how have you adapted to some of the challenges that the pandemic has brought?
1: Yeah, well, that's a million-dollar question to begin with. The pandemic has been Uh, very hard to say the least. And I think especially being in sports production, we usually start planning like week by week, but this year it's kind of been day by day, hour by hour. Um, You never know what's going to come around the corner. So it's, it's been a hard year to adapt. I mean, I came in with hopes of doing some of the things I normally do. And you know, there's been a lack of opportunities due to um, external situations and stuff going on, but it's opened up a bunch of new doors um, but, you know, I think we can all agree that we're just happy the hockey season has uh, gone to the point that it's ha- that it has gone. So I'm happy for that, at least, and just trying to work with it as we go.
0: Yeah, talking to different players, their approach has changed dr- drastically uh, preparing for opponents this year, because at least in hockey, so you don't know who you're playing until Tuesday. As a media member, how do you prepare for preparing for a broadcast, knowing not knowing who the team's going to play until Tuesday?
1: Yeah, so, yeah, it's been been really weird preparing so I think our first game was scheduled November 19th against Boston College I was super excited for that one because we were kind of robbed by them here at the Whittemore Center I think I'd say but um, it was going to be a great game you know we, we were coming in with a chip on our shoulder and we were preparing for our first Nesson game of the year um, so everyone was super excited so um, every Tuesday we have a media press conference where we talk to coach Souza and maybe two select players um, so I kind of go off of what they're saying. So you know whatever they're preparing for, they like to they like they like to focus on themselves, but since we had Boston College, I kind of reached out to the Boston College side of things as well. Um, so that was the first day, that first week we tried preparing. Um, and unfortunately that is when the COVID pauses started happening, um, not only for our team but other teams as well. Um, so that really kind of broke it up for us. and then due to that spike, Hockey East decided that it would be best to schedule weekly. Um, so it's usually it's week by week, as I said, uh, starting on Tuesday. So, you know, we tried to prepare the way we knew how, um, but that's kind of, it was convenient having press conference on Tuesdays cause the schedule was released. So then we'd kind of have a better idea. But as I said, Ness and games were scheduled. Um, I think I had like two, three or four where I was ringside and then they were called off. So my heart broke over that, but, um, just lucky to have hockey games.
0: Yeah, no, obviously interviewing through Zoom is a little bit different than in-person interviewing. I can't speak to in-person interviewing because I usually do most of them through Zoom since I've started this podcast about a year ago. How have you adapted to interviewing a player through Zoom versus in-person and what's the differences you've noticed between the two mediums?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question and I hope I can provide a good answer for you, especially Uh, Zoom is super weird and Zoom kind of feels live in a sense. So interviewing someone in person, you really kind of get to do the post production edits, you get to cut out the ums, the us, the awkwardness of it. But on zoom, kind of like the show must go on. And that's the same for in game live content. When you're talking to someone, the interview continues, you continue talking to the person, whatever is happening right here is what people see kind of. Um, so Zoom has been a little awkward, but honestly, I think it's great for you. And it's been great for me to practice on Zoom and to utilize Zoom, especially now, because it teaches your interview skills to get a little bit better. So for me, like I, like you said, I talked to Alex Newhook. I talked to uh, Aaron Frankel, um, the Wabick sisters. That was I think it was like my first 20, 30-minute interview on Zoom, and it was it was kind of uncomfortable because I'd never done it before, um, but as I said, the show kind of went on, and I kind of got more comfortable as we went on, um, and I think my interview skills has actually have improved since using Zoom versus relying on the post-production editing, so that's, that's kind of been good, I'm trying to take uh, the good with the bad from that situation. <laughs>
0: Well, that's good to hear from me because I've only done it through Zoom. I've never done an in-person interview before. I was supposed to work in the Cape Cod Baseball League this summer, but unfortunately, the season got canceled, so I've been trying to adapt to Zoom as well, and I feel like I've gotten better because if you listen to my first inter- ever interview I did, I sounded very nervous, and it was very short as well, and I feel like now it's been a lot, it has improved a lot.
1: Yeah, it's, it's pretty uncomfortable to kind of put yourself out there in a situation where you might be making the awkward mistakes, but using the platform to, to improve your style and, uh, try to learn from it as you go is huge. Um, and like I said, I think zoom kind of has a way of reflecting that live interview, uh, environment. So I think, yeah, it's, it's great to practice on it and you can, uh, you can just kind of work with it as you go. So zoom, zoom has been, uh, the best friend for us, especially during the pandemic. So just keep going with it.
0: Now I want to transition and start talking about the beginning of your media career. Uh, Where are you from and what inspired you to pursue a career in media?
1: Yeah. So I am local. I grew up in Manchester, New Hampshire. And I now reside in like the Lake Winnipesaukee area and then Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which is pretty close to UNH. So when I first came to my first UNH game, I think I was 15 or 16. Uh, I don't even remember who UNH was playing, but I just remember seeing Coach Emile on the bench and thinking, wow, like I got to come to this school. This is great. So that's at least how I decided to come here. But media started a long time ago for me. I think the year that kind of opened my eyes up to my love for hockey was 2011 when the Bruins made the Stanley Cup. And that playoff run was super special to me because I watched it with my grandfather who in March that year was diagnosed with bone cancer. Um, And his favorite thing was the Boston Bruins. So we didn't know how much time we had left with him. So every opportunity that we could get together and watch a game was you know, very appreciated. So, uh, going through that experience, I learned so much about the game from him and I was 12 at the time. I didn't know anything. I just knew that I liked watching guys fight. I liked watching guys shoot pucks and score. And it was super fun. So, uh, my grandfather actually passed away the following year after they won. Um, and I decided, I said, you know, this, this sport, this game brought my family together in a time where, We weren't sure what it was gonna be like. And I said, bringing people together like that is exactly why I love the sport and why I wanted to pursue it. So when I came to UNH, I was like, hey, I reached out to a guy, Mike Murphy, um, and he just asked me what I wanted to do. I said, I love hockey, I love sports. All I wanna do is talk about it. You know, can you lead me further? And uh, they put me in on the first game here, um, September, I think of 2017 and the rest is history.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that 2011 run is unforgettable in my mind because my mom let me stay up late to watch Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final, and that's that, that watching that team made me fall in love with hockey as well. Especially since they were definitely a grindy team that that could fight and make big hits, but they can also score goals as well with players like Bergeron and uh, David Krejci. So I definitely can agree with you. That run was incredible.
1: Yeah, that's that is so funny you said that. I think. I was 12. I don't even know how old you must have been, but I, it was school nights, you know, it was staying up late. If I was going to stay up late, it was going to be a walk, to watch a hockey game uh, in my mom's textbook. So uh, same thing for me. I got to stay up late watching the Bruins and that's how I fell in love. So that's great that we kind of have that similarity with 2011.
0: Yeah, no, I think I was nine years old when they won the cup and it's crazy. It's going to be 10 years since that happened, which makes me feel really old, but you know, it, <laughs> time goes on.
1: <laughs> yes, I can agree with that. <laughs>
0: Now, did you go to any Bruins games growing up? I know I went to a few. And uh, what was your what what player did you like watching growing up Like regarding hockey?
1: Oh, my goodness. That is such a great question. The first game that I went to, it's actually hilarious. I didn't go to a game until I was in high school. Uh, I think I was a freshman, so maybe 13, 14 years old at the time. My dad took my brother and I. We watched the Maple Leafs and the Bruins play. And I remember that specific game, Adam McQuaid, I think he got in like two or three fights throughout three periods. And I just remember thinking, this is hilarious. How many fights is this guy going to get into? And I was like, this is the best Bruins game to come to because I I experienced, we won. I think the score was three to one and there were so many penalties. It was just so funny to watch. But um, growing up, so because of my grandfather, he was a huge Bobby Orr fan. Uh, So I think he was probably the first Bruins player that I knew of um and i still i hold i hold that player very dear to my heart near to my heart because of my grandfather uh so whenever i see number 4 i'm like oh yeah it's it's a sign or something um but i think through 2011 uh i really i grew a love for nathan horton i don't know why he was really good to me back then um i liked watching him i remember gregory campbell i thought he was a tough nut too cuz broke his leg and kept skating um i really liked the the hard nosed players and then of course the marchands and um, yeah, th- those guys were all super cool. Sean Thornton, too. He was fun to watch. He was always animated.
0: <laughs> definitely. Nathan Horton, I have a lot of respect for him because he scored the three game winning goals, I think, um, in the three series before he got hurt in game four of the Stanley Cup finals. So I definitely remember Nathan Horton. He was such a great player to watch. And it's a shame that what happened to him after the Stanley Cup final that he really never got to play anymore. I guess I always was a David Krejci fan. I wore number 46 playing hockey growing up. So he was always my favorite player just because... I thought he got underlooked a lot, especially during the 2011 Stanley Cup run, and he made a really key impact for that Bruins team, winning face-offs and creating plays for guys like Horton, and I think uh, Mark Recchi was on his line as well.
1: Yes, I remember Recchi. I think he was one of my brother's favorites. He was kind of the vet of the team during that time. Yeah, um, yeah that, that group of uh, 2011, they were super fun. I think during the, the lockdown, the pandemic, they actually re-aired all of those games, and I watched it from the first few rounds to Game 7 again, and I got to refamiliarize myself with all the reasons I loved it. So, it's yeah, it's great to hear all those players get mentioned again.
0: Yeah, no, it's weird watching the, those games now because it shows how much hockey has changed because when you watch the Bruins now, they're a lot faster. Guys like Poshnok are making insane goals, but back in 2011, it was kind of a grindy team, and I was watching Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final, and Tim Thomas was getting in fights, and there was crazy saves and stuff, and it's just something that you don't really see that often anymore.
1: I remember Tuca coming out to what almost – was it like the blue line making – I remember he might have let in a pretty bad play on the Bruins' side, but he made up for it by going way out of the net and making a save. And I remember thinking, wow, that guy that guy's kind of ballsy for doing that. <laughs> it was just so funny to watch. But, yeah, yeah, that was uh... – that was a great group of players. Like you said, now they're super fast, super skilled. I think of someone like Charlie McAvoy who comes from hockey East. And um, I actually got to watch him in person in his first uh, Bruins game. And it was so exciting to see. It makes me feel old now too, knowing that I'm working with these players and they're going places like that. But yeah, it's uh Bruin. The Bruins have a great history and forever a Boston fan, no matter where I go. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I've been following college hockey for quite some time, and one of my favorite players when I was a kid was Jack Eichel. He played for BU, and he made the Frozen Four like a few years ago, and I saw that game, and it's cool seeing what he's doing with Buffalo now and knowing that I saw him before he was kind of big with the NHL, and then Kale McCarr is a similar situation. I loved watching him play.
1: Yeah, that's funny. Uh, You mentioned Jack Eichel. I Actually, I met him in high school. Uh, he was like one of the first NHL players that I met in person when I was really, really into it and learning more details about teams other than the Bruins. But I, I don't know why I asked him to autograph my cell phone in high school. And he, he was like, are you sure you want me to do this? I think he asked me two or three times and I was like, Hey, like, it's going to be a great conversation point. I'm sure. So I still have that, that iPhone. It was probably like an iPhone five in my side table at home, but yeah, I've got, (laughs) I've got his autograph on that.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, no, I met, I met Tuka Rask one time when I was like a kid, but that's about it. No, I haven't really met any hockey players in person, which is kind of crazy to think about, except for seeing them in games.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, being in hockey East and on the East Coast here is we're super fortunate that we get to watch these players and see them succeed in places that, you know, we dream of going. I know, um, one of our players, Max Gildon, is making his debut in the AHL tonight, I'm pretty sure. And it's so exciting to be able to follow along with that and know that, you know, we have the open doors to watching these, these players play and see them develop over their time. So it's, it's a lot of fun, and we're super fortunate being over here.
0: Yeah, definitely. What made you fall in love with college hockey, and how did you start watching the sport? I'll just tell you my story. It was the lockdown in the NHL back in 2014, I think, or 2012. And I, I was very bored, didn't know what to do. I was only just playing hockey. My dad took me to a UConn hockey game back when they were at Freitas Ice Farm and the Atlantic College Hockey Conference. And it was really cool. I loved the game. And that's kind of how I fell in love with college hockey, just watching UConn hockey growing up. And now they're in Hockey East and they're one of the best teams in Hockey East. And that's how I love college hockey. And it's still that way today. How did you fall in love with college hockey?
1: Yeah, as I said earlier, I think I was 15 or 16 when I came to my first game here. I remember watching Coach u and people like Tyler Kelleher and Andrew Potrowski, and it was super fun. So something that I really like about the game of college hockey is these these guys are athletes, but they're also students, and they're working really hard to either maintain a scholarship or get some playing time or just because they love it. But they're they're working for something. They're working to get to the next level, and that doesn't mean that I, I don't respect what the pros do. It's just I have a, a greater respect – four of these guys who come in at 18, 19, 20, and, you know, work their tails off uh, towards a greater goal and uh, whatever they want to accomplish. So for me, I felt like that kind of resonated with me. I really liked college hockey, especially over here, being uh, from the Boston area, getting to see, see those guys play and then seeing them go on to professional levels. So for me, it was kind of that developmental aspect and, it's, it's an honor to be able to work with these, these guys, especially here. Like I was just at the Whittemore center earlier today and I see Angus Crookshank doing his class in one of our press boxes at the rink. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he said, Oh, you know, just, just doing class while waiting for practice. And it's just, I have such a respect for these people being able to balance the really two hard schedules. And, uh, it's just so fun to, you know, see them develop in the, the way that they do.
0: Now talking about the media aspect of things, was there any particular broadcaster or sideline reporter that you look up to and try to take away from?
1: Um, wow. Yes. So that's that's a good question. There <laughs> there have been a lot over the years. I think for me growing up, first of all, it was Jack Edwards and Annie oh, Brickley. Yeah. Uh, super fun. Um, I actually, I'm honored to to say that Jack Edwards has been helping me a little bit with my career now. Um, but in 2011, I heard him just a few days ago. I heard him on the phone and I, I couldn't be happier or more honored. Uh, but regarding sideline reporters, of course, there's always the Catherine Tappins, and um, I, I love looking at them because sometimes I think I'm like, how, how can you just, talk about this so naturally, like you don't even look nervous. You don't even look like you're stumbling on anything. It's, I have such a respect for the people who are able to do that. But, um, Catherine Tappan was definitely one I've been able to touch base with a couple of other reporters, um, Arizona coyotes reporter, Jody Jackson. Um, and then Chantel McCabe with the golf network and then a few uh, local news people like Jackie Mundry. She has helped me substantially over my career. Um, it's, yeah, so I think growing up, it was it was kind of the guys to begin with, <laughs> the Jack Definitely. and Rick.
0: Jack Edwards is awesome, and I love his passion for the game. You can hear it in every broadcast, and I feel like sometimes when you watch broadcasts of certain games, when the road team scores, it's like they shoot and scores. Nice goal, but Edwards is losing his mind even when the Bruins aren't scoring. I really respect him for that, which I don't think you see that often.
1: Yeah, and he's got such, such an interesting vocabulary when he, he, he talks about the game, and it's so funny because – Talking to him on the phone, he, he speaks the same way in person as he does on a broadcast. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, you know, he, he used all the metaphors that he does in a broadcast or the juicy rebounds and stuff. It's just, it's so funny. You can't help but laugh when listening to him, but you just, you feel like you're right there with him watching the game. So it's, it's super cool to be able to grow up listening to him and now listening to his advice. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to take some things away from different broadcasters now when I watch hockey games, just because I'm trying to get in the field. And one person who I really enjoy watching is Patrick Sharp. He works for NBC. He does a really good job, and I love his insight on the game. I think Anson Carter does a great job as well. He's also on NBC. And another guy who used to work for the Red Sox, Gary Streisky, I think he's so funny. He does a good job showing his personality, but also covering the sport as well.
1: Yeah, Patrick Sharp. Um, I watch him a lot. And I I think the guy, he's got great style. I don't know how what his closet looks like. I'm almost envious of it. But yeah, he's he's got great style, great hair. He's he's great to listen to and to watch. But everyone else that you mentioned too are are outstanding. I've spoken to a few play-by-play announcers for baseball, even MLB, Tim Neverett. He sometimes works with hockey east, but they're all they're all so fun they love what they do their job is sports and obviously that's that's what you and I are pursuing as well because it's so fun to get up there and just talk about what you love so it's great to to watch as many people as you can and to learn from them
0: is there any radio broadcasters that you like listening to as well I know Mike Felger is huge up in New England everyone people some people don't like him, some people love them but what's your thoughts on just other radio broadcasters and podcasters as well
1: Oh, yeah, Mike Felger. He's awesome. Uh, Radio is kind of hard, actually. I've heard play-by-play. We have Mike Murphy here and um, Pete Webster, who do sometimes our Nesson games, but Radio is much different because people can't see what you're talking about. So the radio broadcasters, they have to do a really good job at painting the picture. So that's, I have a lot of respect for them and for podcasters because you're not really like seeing what you're talking about. You you more have to describe it through descriptive words and, you know, whatever you can say. So I have a lot of respect to whoever can do that. I'm not sure if I could, I've done color, color commentary side of things, but play by play must be really hard. So I got, I got a lot of respect, but I, I don't listen to the radio too much. If I have the option to watch, I, I will definitely do that. But in the car um, I'll, I'll tune into whoever I can whoever is broadcasting the game so but yeah the, I don't know that's about it on that one
0: definitely and I think bro- play doing play-by-play especially for hockey is a little more difficult just because the game goes by so fast like I don't know if you've ever done this before but like you're sitting on TV and have you ever tried to do the play-by-play just in your head by yourself I do that all the time it's kind of a weird thing I do and it's so hard because you're so far behind every time I try to do it that's why I have a lot of respect for those guys I feel like whenever I do it with basketball or football, it's a little more easier.
1: Yeah, it's it's a little easier because I feel like you have a little more time to think about what you want to say. Uh, yes, I have done the same thing that you do, and I think that's that's a great skill to have already. It's, it tells me you're a natural, you have natural ability and a knack for the game, but. Yeah, well, someone told me my freshman year, if you want to get better at doing this, do a play-by-play of life. So just sit there and talk about what's going on in your day and just pretend you're a play-by-play person. Um, so that that's kind of been a good skill to do. So I do that at games even, and I always get lost. I'm like, I don't know what the correct terminology is here. You know, what is this? Oh, And then I stumble on my words and I don't know what to say. So I don't know if I could be a play-by-play commentator, but uh, color I, I enjoy color a lot. So that's super fun.
0: Now, you're currently a student at UNH. What made you want to go to UNH and pursue a communications degree?
1: Yeah, UNH is is awesome. It's so much fun. Uh, it's close to home for me. Uh, as I said, I think not only was it a hockey game when I was a teenager, I also went to a football game. Um, I don't even, I don't think it was a homecoming game, but it was just, just a regular football game of the season. And I drove down main street when I was 16 and saw everyone wearing jerseys and all the banners and all the marching bands. And I said, wow, now this, this is a college atmosphere. This, this seems fun. And I was debating on going to, so I got a couple offers to play uh, tennis or soccer at other schools, D3. I got a couple scholarships at schools like Suffolk and Boston. Um, But I kind of gave all that up. And I said, you know what, I just want to come to UNH where I know the athletics are going to be super fun and there's going to be opportunities. So it it was a hockey game and it was a football game that made me realize I wanted to come here. And I'm a New England girl through and through. I'm not opposed to leaving here, but going to school here was a bonus experiencing the, the four seasons and four seasons or three seasons of sports, I guess here, but yeah, coming here, I-, I talked to Mike Murphy. He's the director of athletic communication. And I said, I want to get involved. I don't know how, but I, when I came here, I was ready to go. I didn't really like high school too much. So when Me I came here, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. High school was a bit slow. I kind of felt stuck sometimes. So when I came here, I just took off with everything I wanted to do and it was 100% the right decision for me and I think if you can feel it in your gut that you're meant to be somewhere you, you got to go and it's gonna gonna work out for you
0: yeah and you had your first tv appearance at age 19 I'm currently 19 years old right now and I can't imagine being on tv and broadcasting in front of thousands of people how did you get the opportunity to get on tv immediately as a freshman and what was it like broadcasting for the first time and how did you deal with all of those nerves
1: Yeah, the the nerves played a big role. I I don't even remember what I said or what I did or what I sounded like. But yeah, so my first year here, I was mostly doing post production. I was doing pregame reports, postgame recaps, interviews, stuff like that. And then we signed a deal with Nesson. And my boss said, Hey, Natalie, you want to go ringside on a Nesson game? And I said, I looked at him. Are you serious? I'm like, Are you serious? Nesson? And he said, Yeah. I said, yeah, I'd love to go ringside. And I think it was a game. I don't know if it was a game. Oh boy. I don't remember. I remember one of them was like Dartmouth. I don't remember who we played, but the nerves probably blocked it out for me because I remember the preparation that I did that week was unlike any test I ever studied for before. It was just like, I need to make sure that I know what I'm doing heading into this game. So I probably gave up all my homework for the week and just studied, studied, studied. And when I went into the game, my mom was in the stands, my brother was in the stands and I knew I had my family there supporting me. Uh, And I just went up against the glass and I did my first ringside hit. And I just remember thinking, I got through that. I just, I said that and I got through it. I did it. And I turned around and gave a thumbs up to my mom in the stands and she gave a thumbs up right back. And, um, from there, obviously there's been a few stumbles, a few stutters, a few, I don't even know what I said, but, uh, it's all practice. And you, I don't know the opportunities that I've been given are unlike any, I'm going to carry my memories here with me forever, but it was, you got to start somewhere. So yeah, being 19 was, crazy and I'm honored to be able to say that but yeah it's it's been nice to know that the hard work that I put in kind of paid off and given me the experiences and opportunities but yeah it's it was awesome
0: (laughs) yeah I know did your phone start blowing up once you were on tv for the first time because I'm assuming all your friends were like oh my gosh Natalie's on tv that must be cool (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. It was so funny. Like my brother went to Plymouth at the time and his friends in Plymouth state up Northern New Hampshire were like sending me pictures of myself on TV, Applebee's or 99 and uh, bars. Like there was my face up behind the the liquor and stuff. It was just like, it was so funny. And I, my phone was kind of blowing up. It was amazing. Cause I was getting Twitter follows and Instagram follows. And I remember thinking like, why did, why did these people want to follow me? And then you know, I, I remember I'm like, oh, yeah, like I talk about UNH hockey on TV. It's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are all experiences that I won't forget. They were so funny. And um, I don't know, the first time that happens for anyone, it's just super, uh, super exciting. So, <laughs> yeah, it was funny.
0: Now, when you interview a player, how do you research on them and figure out what questions to ask? Because on a broadcast, you only have like a minute or two to figure out what you're going to ask. And I'm just using it for my example, I'm fortunate where I get to interview players for 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, so uh, when, I was interview- when I researched for a player like Chase Stevenson, for example, using someone from UNH, I found out that he played in the BCHL. He played for multiple different teams. And I look up and try to figure out how is those experiences in the BCHL help him prepare for college hockey. What's the type of research that you do when you interview a player like Chase Stevenson or Jackson Pearson or Angus Cruikshank?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, first off, I'm going to say Elite Prospects is one of my best friends. I I think (laughs) A, a lot of people in their free time go on Instagram or TikTok. I go on Elite Prospects. I don't know why, but it's super fun to figure out where people have been, the success they've had. For me, my job is more human interest and coming from, you know, being in a podcast like you are, you probably do a lot of the same stuff. I think elite prospects is great for me. Um, I do a lot of networking and that's huge for this, this job as well as I reach out to a lot of coaches, I reach out to the players themselves and I'll say, Hey, can I have just a five minute conversation with you just to get a few uh, sound bites or just some information. Um, it, you you don't have anything to lose in those situations. So reach out to whoever you can to talk about that. Um, and I even go as far as looking at social media pages and seeing, oh, this person did this during quarantine, or oh, this person did this. That's interesting. But having the opportunity to speak with them and kind of talk through the storylines that you want to present is super beneficial. So that's that's a tip that I, I would give you. And I would say that I use myself a lot. Is you know we also have press conference here. So I get to pursue those stories there as well. But yeah, online, you can kind of find anything.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: it's part of the job is uh, stalking to an extent. So you, you find uh, the pages and the information and it all leads you to the right information. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's something I do not do. I never really would go on a player's Instagram and like look at their photos. It's just weird to me. But I guess I got to start <laughs> doing that because you can find some fun stuff about a player through their social media.
1: Yeah, not sure if I should reveal my secret <laughs> there, but if the uh, if the page is public, then I guess I'll take a peek if I can. But other than that, I try to I try to keep with the credible story or the credible credible sources like Elite Prospects or uh, the bios on their pages, oh, yeah, anything, something like that. So, yeah, that's we'll stick with that one. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, most of the photos are just like them and the boys just hanging out or like some funny hockey photos. So that's that's normally what I see when I scroll through my feed for some of my friends that play.
1: yeah every once in a while you'll see someone someone got a puppy or something so you'll ask them about that or um yeah I kind of uh the human interest side is super funny because I can ask them hey I saw this you know what does that mean for you and they can kind of elaborate on it but uh yeah we we keep it clean I guess yeah most of the guys are just uh hanging out with their friends or on a lake doing something but if I catch something that's question worthy then I'll use that
0: <laughs> yeah definitely definitely now what's the best interview you've ever done because you interview not just UNH players but you interview players across Hockey East as well because I saw that you interviewed uh, Alex Newhook like I just mentioned that was a good interview by the way great job on that
1: oh thank you so much that was probably my second one doing that the live 20-30 minute So it was it was a little awkward, but I I thought that was awesome. He was super receptive and fun and humble, and I thought that you know I really respected him, and he gave some really great answers. Um, So I really enjoyed that one. But I have to say, one of the most memorable. uh, So I actually one of my great memories here. I went to the Friendship Four tournament in Belfast, Ireland, with the team, and I got to interview Ralph Cox um, in a press box or something. And uh, if you've ever watched Miracle, you know Um, Ralph. Ralph got cut from the team coming from UNH but yeah I saw him in Ireland and he was super receptive to an interview and I got to talk to him for maybe maybe five minutes but it was awesome being able to speak with him and you know seeing someone whose name is all over the school here and being able to, to, to finally talk to him and not even in UNH it was in Belfast Northern Ireland so that was really cool it's a very memorable environment as well for the interview.
0: Definitely. The only thing I remember from Ralph Cox from that movie was when the guy asked him, he's like, why do you play college hockey? And he's like, for the girls, obviously. And it's like the scene at the bar, that was so funny. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I don't I don't know. Maybe, uh, I don't know. That was pretty funny. It sounds like, I don't know, the guys at the bar talking about the typical college things. but. Yeah.
0: jim craig was the best person in that movie i loved him because he was so motivated to get that job especially what happened to him in his personal life and then like he doesn't take the test her brook comes up to him he's like he's like why he's like you want me to take your test i'll take your freaking test and then he's like no i want to see the guy that didn't take the test and it like motivates him that was awesome
1: yeah, it's actually funny. I did a research paper on him my junior year or something in high school. And I, I did the research on what happened in his personal life. And my mom was super connected with the way that he was skating around saying, you know, where's my dad? Where's my dad? I got to find my dad. And uh, that's a scene in that movie that I, I found very very uh kind of sad in a way but it was really cool and I did that research paper and I got a lot of respect for that guy too it's kind of the grit that he showed that was really impressive so I, I like Jim Craig a lot <laughs>
0: you No, know, the the most goosebump worthy scene in that movie was when Herb Brooks walks into like the tunnel and he's just like yes yes and they're like if that doesn't motivate you as a U.S. hockey fan I don't know what does
1: yeah and you know what I have to say that I kind of see the same behavior from the coaches that I've worked with, especially coach Souza. He's a very stoic coach. And, um, you know, when they get a big win, he kind of, you know, shakes the hand of his other coaches, but he, you know, deep down inside, he's really celebrating that one, but yeah, it's, it's goosebump worthy for sure. And being able to see that kind of stuff in person reminds me why I'm doing this.
0: Now, you put you usually work at Whittemore Center. What's it like broadcasting at that stadium, especially during the whiteout games at Maine? Those seem super fun. And have you ever broadcast at other college hockey rinks like Aganis Arena or uh, XL Center at UConn?
1: Yeah, so being at UNH is super fun. I've I've had the uh, ability to get to know all the staff and uh, some of the season ticket holders and stuff like that. Like, I went to Ireland with a bunch of season ticket holders, so – Being able to be at the Whittemore Center broadcasting is great because it's my home crew. You know, I I get to work with the same people I always do. And walking around, people kind of get to know me and I have access to all the tunnels. And I kind of feel like this is my home. I I feel comfortable here, but I actually did a few. um, Also, I was going to do the playoffs last year, too, with BU and uh, UMass. Lowell. it it was going to be at BU or UMass Lowell. I don't know, but it got called off unfortunately, but I did work at UMass Lowell last year. And that was my first game, my junior year on TV. But that one was also really cool because it reminds me of the wit in a way. I kind of felt like I was kind of taking a baby step away from my home rink. Uh, But it was great. It's a great experience to work with other people that you're not quite familiar with because that also helps you, you you know you you grow once you're out of your comfort zone so that was a great experience and I really love doing that I hope that I can do it again at some point
0: yeah I've never been to the Whittemore Center before but watching the games they have a really good student section I love the signs that they put out except for when they play UConn obviously those signs are very hard to see sometimes because they're pretty brutal what they say but I've been to a um, Mullen Center I heard that's very similar to Whittemore Center just because of the Olympic ice sheet and the student section there is pretty incredible as well Uh, have you ever gotten the chance to go in the student section during a wideout game and just talk about the mayhem being in that student section? Because I know talking to players, they can hear the atmosphere, but being in it, it's probably a different story.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll tell you, our student section is ruthless. And it's so, so funny. I've actually never been able to go to a game at the Whittemore Center as a fan since I've been here. But I have taken a a walk inside the student section during the whiteout games and people have their faces painted. I don't know, guys are swinging their shirts around. And it's it's like, wow, like this is such an unfiltered section of the rink right now. And it's funny because the uh, like the but people who have been season ticket holders for a very long time, kind of like the older crowd will look at it and it's not like they shake their head. They say, ha, like our, our student section's pretty cool. Like they're loud. They're going to get in your, in your head. And it's, it's so funny to see, but um, yeah, I've taken a walk in there just, just to experience a little bit of it. Um, I was wearing white that night, so I kind of fit in. I guess I was sneaking around. But, yeah, they're so funny, and the signs that they put up are hilarious. I, I don't know how they can come up with those statements. Uh, besides the ones with UConn, I'll respect mm-hmm. you there. But <laughs> I know, I wish I had that humor to put that stuff on the signs and post them. And Even through not having fans here, they, they still are able to get those signs out and up, and I think that's, that's a great uh, show of their support.
0: Yeah, it's a weird broadcasting without any fans, because watching on TV, I, I really miss the fans, and I never thought I would, but it just like it brings the atmosphere up to a level that makes it fun to watch, and it's just weird. But also, I kind of like it at some points, because you can hear what's going on in the ice, which is something you normally don't get, especially since I know Mike Murphy sometimes pauses just so you can hear what's going on in the ice, which I really respect him for doing that.
1: Yeah, Mike, he's he's the best. He's the best. And uh, I haven't been ringside this year yet, which is uh, uh, it's been unfortunate. The games have been canceled, but I've been doing color commentary for our women's games on CBS, which has been super fun. And it's it's a little weird. You know, pucks will come flying out. And it's funny because no one has to duck to to avoid the puck. But um, it's kind of sad being my senior year not seeing fans and I've gotten so used to the people standing in the same spots for warm ups or uh hand, you know, um, when the guys come out of the tunnel giving high fives, like the little kids that go do that. I kind of miss them and just the fan experience being able to talk to them. And I'm I'm so lucky that, you know, they they begin to recognize me and they want to talk to me or take photos. And that's such a, a fulfilling part of the job for me that it's sad. And I'm sad that my family can't be there either. But I know that through the season things have become a lot more simple simplified instead of instead of the fans it's just you know thankful for having hockey games and that's kind of just been the focus this year it's been hard at first but we're hoping that this is all behind us soon and can welcome back that crazy crowd that you speak of
0: yeah no is, do you think fans will be allowed back in stadiums next season
1: yeah, so I uh, I speak with Steve Metcalf, the Hockey East Commissioner, and he has been giving me some great inside information. I interview him sometimes. And the UNH actually tried to get some fans in twice this year. And unfortunately, students, you know, there was a spike in COVID and that wasn't able to happen, or the game was switched from home to away, and that hasn't been able to happen. I think the bigger arenas were open to receiving a certain amount of fans. But I think the smaller arenas still have a little ways to go just because of the size of the facility. And I think next year, hopefully, fingers crossed, this will all, all be over and everyone can come in normally. But we were trying to take steps in that direction. So I guess that's that's the first step you can take.
0: Yeah, I know. Because next year, if people don't know this, the Frozen Four is going to be in Boston. And I hope to go there as a fan and hopefully as a media person as well. And that's why I'm really hoping fans will come back next year so I can be able to attend that event.
1: Yeah, I know some of my coworkers, uh, they miss being able to go to concerts and stuff like that. My, the thing I miss the most is being able to go to games. As I said, I've never gone to one as a fan at the WIT here, but I'll go to the away games and try to support them there. So that's the thing I miss the most. So hopefully fans can be let back in soon so that you and I get the opportunity to get back out there.
0: Definitely, definitely. Now you're a senior this year. What are some of your plans after graduation and where do you hope to see yourself in five years?
1: Oh, five years. I don't know, Matt. Um, I hope. I think my dream obviously would be rinkside with a team. Um, But you know, every time I think about that, it's like you know that's the dream, but it takes a lot of steps to get there. And I'm willing to put in the hard work to get there. Um, Right now, COVID has made it really hard to search for jobs. That's why I've just been networking and talking to a bunch of people like Jack Edwards. He's helping me adjust my reel and my writing and trying to make myself more employable to those who are looking. Um, so whatever comes my way, you know, I'm trying not to put pressure on it. I could go for something that might hold me over in the meantime. And, but I, the thing is, I don't really want to, um, wait, I I don't want to force a job. So I kind of want to wait for the right opportunity to come up. So I've been speaking to everyone and I hope maybe next hockey season, I can, I can find something or, We'll see that's COVID is kind of uh, messing that yeah. one up. So we'll see about that one, but in five years, hopefully I'll be in the league and uh, in the show and working hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I hope to see you there. And if you ever want to be a co-host on the podcast, feel free to reach out. We'll love to have you on for some interviews if you want to do that.
1: Yeah, I, I would be honored to. I think that'd be great. Podcasting is the one thing that I haven't done too much of. So you're teaching me things too. So uh, we'll work with it.
0: <laughs> now, which athlete do you hope to interview one day?
1: oh boy, I, Bobby Orr, hands down, Bobby Orr, I think. Um, typically, so I, I used to work in hospitality with, uh, I don't know, a music pavilion. So I met celebrities every day at my work, but uh, I learned how to be pretty calm, cool, and collected when meeting people like that. But I think if Bobby Orr came along, I don't know if how how much I'd be able to hold myself together because he just means so much to me. But I hope that I can talk to him one day and just kind of tell him what he means to me and how he kind of turned me into the fan I am, and I think that would be probably the most memorable interview that i could I could do.
0: yeah, I know this I know this is a college hockey podcast, but if I ever had the opportunity to have Alex Ovechkin come on, I'll definitely do it because he's super entertaining. I saw the E60 he did with Rachel Nichols like ten years ago, and super funny, interesting guy, and I'd love to talk to him just because he has a good insight on the game, but he's also super funny as well.
1: Yeah, he's got great humor. I love watching bloopers or mic'd up versions of Alex Ovechkin out there. He's, he's super funny. And hey, if you ever get the opportunity to I I say don't hold back, (laughs) get him on here and talk to him. I think that'd be great.
0: (laughs) Now you brought you do some hockey broadcasting, but you also said you do some football broadcasting as well. Um, What are the differences broadcasting hockey versus other sports?
1: Yeah, so I uh, it's it's strange. It's kind of dividing up. You know, I get I get carried away with one sport, and then all of a sudden the next one starts. So right now we're in that really awkward overlapping period. Football starts this Friday, while hockey is kind of going into playoffs backwards year because of COVID. But um, football is is fun in its own way too. It's an outdoor sport. Um, the good thing about this job is it's really like human interest or stat based. I can kind of talk to someone on the sideline and just get a story out in 30 seconds. So that's that's kind of cool. I, I like football because I like the atmosphere, the outdoor atmosphere. Um, Hockey is very fast-paced, as you've said, and football is a little slower. So I feel like you kind of get more time to get your thoughts together or more time to – fill with content whatever you can find um so football's fun it's really fun i love both sports equally actually i think hockey maybe a little more but football is uh it's it's easy to make the transition once you get your head kind of in the game literally but um yeah i'm excited to get that season started too
0: yeah no i'm a hockey guy myself i will full on admit that that's my number one sport but i'm working <laughs> in the baseball league this summer so i'm interested to see how i'm going to transition from doing hockey to baseball so that'll be interesting
1: Right. Yeah. You just take your skill set and apply it in uh, different environments. And as I said, you can grow that way, grow in the uncomfortable situations and uh, the more sports, you know, the more credible you are. So I think, I think that's a great opportunity for you and I'm going to keep trying to do it myself.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Now transitioning, I want to talk a little bit about the hockey season this year, since you're very much involved with it. Uh, What's your overall thoughts on hockey this year and talk about some of the games that have stood out to you the most.
1: Yeah, Hockey East. They're, they're great people. Um, they have had their hands full this year and I, I give them a lot of credit for making this happen the way that it has. Um, I, I know that Steve Metcalf and Kate McAfee, they came from UNH and I had the pleasure of working with them for a couple of years but they're, they're a great trio. Kate actually kicked my butt in ping pong and I'm, I'm still trying to get her back for that one, but (laughs) they're, uh, they're great. They work so hard. I have an internship with them and, um, Brian Smith, he's another one that's always grinding. Like, you know, every team is confused. These three people have to deal with 11 teams on the men's side and nine on the women's side. So that's must be hectic for them. Um, as far as games, um, I'm from UNH, so I I watch, I watch UNH closely, but I know that UVM beat Maine pretty early on in the year. And I thought that that was a great game for them. Um, that was fun to watch. I like watching BU a lot. A couple of friends on that team. Um, But, yeah, I watch UNH the closest, I think.
0: (laughs) One game I'll give you from a UNH was a UNH-UConn game. It was the game where UConn was winning by, like, two goals or a goal, and UNH came back, and this was at UConn, and the guy missed the empty netter, and then UNH scored, like, last second to tie the game. And fortunately, Carter Turnbull, one of our good friends on the podcast, scored the game-winning goal. So that's definitely a memorable game that I can think of.
1: Yeah, UNH, I don't know what it is, but they have a knack for being able to come back from some some weird – I don't know. <laughs> Some weird games, but thank you for giving that one to me. I know that that's happened a couple times this year the come I mean the comeback story tell, tells its own and I think yeah. pretty cool. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know Angus Croxton scored an OT winner against UMass Lowell this year. That was a good game as well.
1: That was huge. I think that was his four goal game. I mean Yeah. He was on fire and I, I don't know, like I wish that they were, I remember thinking I wish there were fans here because they would be going nuts if they saw this. And Angus has been a really good friend of mine the past few years. He's developed into such a great player and seeing him score that goal, it was like if it couldn't get better, he just tops, top, you know, cherry on top with that goal. It was great.
0: I <laughs> know yeah, he's a great guy off the ice as well. And he's obviously a great hockey player. I'm interested to see um, what his career holds for him after he leaves UNH.
1: Yeah, me too. All these guys, for sure. I've built relationships. It's funny, I see them at the rink, but I also see them in class. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I've, I've been able to help a lot of them with homework and talk to them. That's how I'll like prepare for games too, is I use my friends, uh, the hockey players as resources. And um, yeah, I, I hope that they all can do exactly what they hope to. And you know, they've given me beautiful memories and experiences. And I hope that, you know, they get to accomplish all that they set their mind to.
0: Now, in the women's side of hockey, used, uh, the semifinal games are taking place today. However, this episode will get released on Friday, so we will fit, find out who makes the championship game. After tonight, what's your thoughts on the women's side of things in hockey? East, And who do you think is going to win the championship this year? I'm going to go with Northeastern. I think they've been super dominant this year. Skylar Fontaine, Alina Mueller, and Aaron Frankel have been outstanding this year. And I think another player that people don't give enough credit to is Coley Ayard and Katie Knoll, who have also been great offensive threats and good depth pieces for that Northeastern team. However, UConn has a knack for upsetting teams in the playoffs, so you never know what could happen, but I definitely can see, North, I see Northeastern pulling this one through.
1: Yeah, I, I do like UConn women's hockey team. Their coach, number one, Chris McKenzie, he's a hoot. Like he's, he's <sighs> the funniest coach that I've ever spoken to. Um, and I like the Wobbuck sisters. I talked to Morgan this fall, uh, Natalie Snodgrass. She's, she's a sniper. She's cool. Um, but I, I might have to go with you with Northeastern. I, I talked to Aaron Frankel and she's, she's calm, cool, and collected back there. And she was just named, um, goalie of the year or, or something like that. What a what a great accomplishment for her. She she deserved that for sure. Um, but you know, the the team starts with the goalie in the back. And I think if you've got Aaron Frankel between the posts, you've got a good shot, good chance of winning. So we'll see what happens tonight.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think I've had the pleasure to interview Skylar Fontaine for the podcast. Super nice person. And I've also interviewed Natalie Snodgrass as well. And she's incredibly nice as well. And those two players are definitely going to do well in women's hockey after their college careers are done. I'm excited to see that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. On the women's side too, this is the first year that I started working with our women's team and I really got to know them. And they're probably some of the most approachable athletes that I've ever worked with. And the coaching staff is amazing. And um, it's super fun to watch them because they work really hard as well. And they, you know, they make names for themselves and it's so fun to watch. So I hope that, you know, whatever happens with them as well, they're able to, to do exactly what they hope. So it's, it's fun.
0: Yeah, UNH to the women's team. They lost a lot of key seniors this past year. I think they lost six of them, but their freshman class really stepped up and really um, had a good run towards the end of the year, and they beat Holy Cross in the playoffs, obviously. What's your thoughts on the women's team moving forward, especially with players like Emily Rookwood, who I think doesn't get enough recognition in hockey East?
1: Yeah, she's great. I um, One of my friends told me, he's the play-by-play for them, Jordan Kahn, that Emily Rickwood's kind of serves as the QB from the back. She kind of holds it down there. And um, it was really fun to see someone like Nicole Kelly and Siobhan Truder and those girls step up because... I mean, people think uh, like women's hockey, like there's not a lot of contact in it, but there's a lot of skill in it. And and these girls can really, really move the puck around and it's super fun to watch them. And I think they're going to have a really, really good team. As you said, we lost a few key players, but we gained a whole group of uh, perfectly capable players as well. So I'll be excited to see what happens with them.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm interested to know, uh, I don't know if you know about this, but everyone gets an extra year of eligibility in the NCAA how does that work and how do you know which players do you think will stay or go uh, this year?
1: Oh, I don't know. I think we have a good idea of our other teams who's planning on returning. Um, the The men's team is very um, private until they need to be. So we haven't really heard too much about them or who's going to stay again. I think I heard the assistant captain for the women's team. I think Maddie Truax is planning on returning and she's great um, on and off the ice. She's awesome. So I think it's really up to them and we won't know until it's really disclosed, but uh, you know, unfortunately I don't get another year. (laughs) So I'm just going to have to watch from literally the sidelines, but um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see.
0: Now, uh, speaking of the men's side, uh, what's your thoughts on who do you think is going to win hockey for the men's side? I know the regular season wraps up uh, this weekend. BC has obviously been the most dominant team this year, but I think BU can definitely do well and Northeastern and Providence have shown some good signs as well.
1: Yeah, we, we always have trouble, trouble against, uh, Northeastern. They're just always a dynamic, dynamic team. Um, BU always good. Boston, Boston college has really stuck out to me. Um, I would say besides UNH, I really like Boston college. Cause I like watching Alex Newhook and, um, Oh boy, I'm trying to think of some names now. Uh, Matt Boldy, like all those guys are really, really good. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Boston College seems to be doing pretty well. And, you know, whoever, whoever beats UNH typically is who I root for. (laughs) So um, those Boston schools are pretty lethal. So might might kind of lean that way. But we'll see. I'm pulling for UNH in the long run.
0: I, I definitely concede that. I think BU can definitely upset Boston College. I, I think BU has been struck with a lot of COVID issues this year, and it's made their schedule inconsistent. And I think they would be a much better team if they didn't have some of their COVID issues, especially since they literally only had one goalie, like one weekend, like only one goalie that played, like they had no backups. So I think, but they've, a lot of their good players have stepped up like um, Alex Tuck or Luke Tuck, my bad and um, their goalie Vinny DuPlessis and I know Drew Camesso has played well when he's been in net so and David Ferentz has obviously been a Hobie Baker candidate even though he's only played seven games so I can definitely see a team like that potentially beat Boston College
1: yeah I think uh, I think BU's got kind of a swagger to it Um, Boston College it's a beautiful campus it's a beautiful school I I think that uh, Boston College has kind of got like that nice like I don't know the nice vibe around it like they always do well always successful but BU I like BU swagger and sometimes I pull yeah. for them as well because you know David Ferrance is a great player and it's fun to watch him um, and the rest of his teammates so I you know the boss battle of Boston is pretty fun
0: <laughs> yeah I definitely think it's probably gonna be one of those Boston schools but I'm gonna shout them out once again I think UConn has a chance to potentially win this year's hockey season they do not get enough credit Their goaltender, Tomasz Vomashka, besides Spencer Knight, has probably been the best goalie in hockey. He's played every single game, and you don't see that typically with college hockey teams. They have a lot of good scoring. Johnny Evans, that guy could win the Hobie Baker this year. Carter Turnbull, our good friend, loved the guy. He's been playing well as well. They have a lot of experience, especially in their defensive core. They only have one freshman in the defensive core. And they're coaching Mike Kavanaugh. I know Mike Souza used to work under him as an assistant back in the day. So they have a lot of good players and a lot of experience. And I can definitely see them making a run in the playoffs and be successful and win hockey. East. I think they, they – I'm chowing them out because they need it. I don't see it everywhere at nationally at all.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Well, they're, they're probably uh, listening to you, Matthew. <laughs> so I don't know. I know that Coach Souza always um, – him and uh, Kavanaugh, it's kind of fun whenever Kavanaugh comes to town because Susie, you can always tell in press conference, he's always prepping to play against his former co-workers. So it's kind of funny, the the mini rivalry there. But yeah, we'll see. We'll, the best team will win. We'll see, though.
0: <laughs> definitely. I think UNH definitely has a shot, too. So I know a lot of UNH fans are listening to this. I think. Jackson Pearson, I just want to talk about him. He's really stood out to me this year, 23 points in 21 games. Uh, What have you seen from him um, off the ice that have made him um, have such an improvement this year and have such a good year this year?
1: Yeah. You know what? Jackson is a, he's a great player and I think he is uh, kind of overlooked. I think, I don't know where I saw it, but uh, he was actually, a, I don't know if it was your page or someone posted that Jackson Pearson was actually one of the more underrated players. And, I
0: think that was us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I was looking at that. He is I mean, capital C consistent. He's so great. He always, he never seems like anything bothers him on the ice. Like he's able to kind of shake things off and he he produces consistently Um, off the ice. He's kind of a quiet guy, kind of soft-spoken, extremely humble. And he comes from a really, really great family. Um, So I think, you know, he's got incredible work ethic, but he kind of moves in, in silence and it's kind of cool. He's kind of like a, silent assassin on the ice but I I think he deserves a lot more credit um just because he's he's so good for our team and we're we're very lucky to have him
0: I'm curious about the goalie situation with UNH you obviously have Mike Robinson and Ty Taylor both of them have been playing pretty well for the most part um who do you think will get the starts in the playoffs
1: oh boy I don't know Mike has had a, a great a great year he he has um I mean, he's played most most of our games. Ty has seen seen some ice time as well. It's funny because they've got pretty similar playing styles, and they're both like six four and net. It's they kind of look the same even. Um, but I would say that Souza Souza likes to give equal time, or you know, opportunity is is given where opportunity is kind of earned. And they're both really really hard workers. And I think we'll see we'll see Robinson as he's a senior. He's going to get a lot of playing time, but Souza will not. Uh, shy away from putting Taylor in there if, if necessary. But it, he always says it's a great problem to have some really great goaltenders. So uh, we're lucky to have two really solid people in net.
0: A final hockey East question: Who do you think from hockey East will make the national tournament? And how does the standings in hockey East work? And how do they pick the which teams will make the national tournament? Especially since there really isn't pairwise rankings this year.
1: Yeah, it's been weird. So I think it's called uh, Happy Hockey East. Uh, player index or something i don't know i don't quote me on that but um the the standing so it's single game elimination so it's gone a lot quicker than normal and they've kind of paired people up because paired uh, teams up excuse me because of the discrepancy of games like we we spoke earlier bu had a, a kind of a slow start there with only a couple games while other teams were in uh, double digits but I, they kind of pair them up versus uh Games played and and stuff like that. So it's it's been a puzzle that Hockey East has has tried to complete, and I can't even explain it to its extent because it's kind of confusing. But I think on the women's side, you know, tonight we might we might see a Northeastern come out on top. Um, on the men's side, we might see. Um, a BC or a Yukon or a UNH. Um, though I, like I said, those Boston schools are always pretty dangerous. So it never really surprises me to see them up there. Um, I'm kind of one to root for the underdog though, too. So I, I'd like to see different, different uh, teams make some runs, but we'll see what happens with the NCAA tournament. Cause I was actually talking about that with Steve Metcalf today. Uh, not too much information regarding that yet, but more will be coming. So, um we'll we'll see how that one goes just going to plan that one day by day as well
0: now final question to you is what advice would you give a person who is trying to make it into media and i'll definitely be listening because this is basically a question for me <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah um i mean it starts with with your passion for the sport and the passion for the industry um i think if if you love what you do you're not really going to struggle because you're going to have the passion and the work ethic to go along with it. If you want something bad enough, you're going to work hard for it. Um, I think seize every, every chance you can to talk to those around you, because like I said, this is an industry where networking is super helpful and talking to a bunch of different people can give you different perspectives. As I've said, I've spoken to local news people, to pro play-by-play people in the MLB. So it, there's no limit on who you can talk to and get advice from. So talk to everyone use your resources and um, my advice for getting into it is if if you love it and you want to try it out you can try everything once if you don't like it then you don't have to stick with it but just try everything once you've got nothing to lose and um yeah if if you work hard and just kind of stay consistent you're gonna make anything happen so that that's kind of what my mom tells me and that's what I like to tell other people as well
0: Yeah, no, I hope I've been reaching out to a lot of different media people throughout the country, and hopefully we can get more of them on. And I really appreciate you being the first one to come on. Do you have any shout outs you'd like to give before we let you go? I say that to all the players, but is there any family members, friends, or we shout a lot of the UNH players, but I don't know if there's anyone in particular that I might have missed.
1: Yeah, no, I've never been asked to give a shout out before. Um, I'd probably shout out my mom. <laughs> She's my biggest, uh, my biggest fan, my biggest supporter. Um, my brother, Nick, uh, he's, he's my best friend and he doesn't care what I do as long as I'm happy. You know, he's, he's a good one to have on my team for sure. Um, just my family. They're, they're awesome. I love them so much. They're always here when they can be here, um, and yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out the whole UNH hockey team because they, as I've said, it's my senior year. It's getting pretty pretty sad around here, knowing that I'm working my last few games. And um, Coach Umili and Coach Souza, they've you know they've given me things you know memories that I'm never gonna forget, um, and the opportunity to work with such an amazing team. So that's it's been wonderful for me, and yeah, I hope to uh, stay in contact with them.
0: Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for coming on. Like I said before, I really appreciate it. I wish you all the best in your media career. I know you're going to do great things, whatever you choose. And I really, this really does mean a lot to me. I'd love to have you back on the podcast. And thank you so much. I, I, I can't tell you how much I, this really means to me and how much I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, Matthew. You've, uh, you've really given me a lot to great, great things to talk about and think about. And I'm honored to be the first media member on the podcast. I think that, you know, it's very special to me. So I appreciate you having me on and taking the time to talk with me. It's, it's been wonderful.
0: No problem. Take care. Bye.
1: Thank you. You too.
0: I just wanted to say thank you so much to Natalie for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it so much and I really appreciate her taking time out of her very busy schedule and doing this with me. It means a lot to me. The interview is an hour long, but we talked for a little over an hour as well. So I just really appreciate her taking time and helping me out and I can't thank her enough and this does go a long way. So I know if she's listening to this, I just wanted to say thank you again. I really, really appreciate it. Joining me on the podcast, it means a lot to me. Uh, Some college hockey news I want to talk about just before we wrap up this podcast is a few notes. Uh, One note regarding Hockey East is that Merrimack, it looks like Merrimack season is over uh, based on some reports from Jimmy Connolly of the USCHO. Uh, Merrimack has had some COVID um, problems, and because of this COVID problems, they won't be able to participate in the hockey's tournament. Which means they will, they, which means their season is basically over. Um, it's a pretty disappointing, unfortunate news for that team, especially since they're getting hot uh, towards the end of the regular season. And guys like Declan Carlisle has really stood out and become a good, good player for that team. So it's just unfortunate news to see for that program, especially since they're heading in the right direction. Uh, so that was tough to see but that's just one news that happened Um, on a more positive news though johnny walker from arizona state uh, will be returning for next year's college hockey season i'm really excited about this i feel like johnny walker has been dealing with a lot of injuries this year and really hasn't been able to um, do what he normally does he still he still he still is having a great year even though he's been injured uh, through part of it but i feel like if he's healthy next year he's going to just be an absolute stud in college hockey i'm excited to see uh, what what he does with Arizona State next year and I, I'm very excited for this Arizona State team next year they got some good recruits coming in and they're going to be playing more home games I would assume next year as well which will be a benefit for that team the last little news bit I want to talk about before ending this podcast is St. Lawrence has canceled their regular season. They were supposed to play their final four games this year against Clarkson. However, because of COVID issues, they have canceled those games. Uh, because of this, Quinnipiac will be the regular season champions for the ECAC, and that uh, I think it, this decision, I think, really only affects um, Clarkson, because I think Quinnipiac was still going to win the ECAC regular season, uh, no matter what happened in this um, series. I think it just hurts Clarkson of uh, national tournament chances. So that kind of sucks, but you know Something you can't control is COVID, and hopefully Clarkson can show up a little bit in the ECAC tournament and make a name for themselves and potentially get in the national tournament. I think it's going to be interesting to see how many teams in the ECAC can get in just because there's so little of them. There's only four teams, and I think you can make a case that some Atlantic hockey teams deserve to get in over some ECAC teams. Uh, So that's going to just be an interesting debate um, in the next few weeks once the conference tournament starts, um, which should start next week, I believe. I haven't really checked the schedule for next week, for college hockey but i think those games will be starting starting up next week so it'll be interesting to see that um so this is the last weekend of the regular season and then next week the conference championship starts so we're getting the grind of things man this is usually the best time of year for sports i think just it feels a little bit different because it's COVID times uh but you know the march madness for basketball college hockey has been going on full swing with the conference tournaments and their national tournament as well nhl is usually on its playoff grind but right now obviously it's still kind of the middle of the regular season uh same with the nba so you know usually this is the best sports time in my opinion i think it just feels a little bit different uh because of covid but you know i'm still excited for this tournament i know albany announced that they're gonna allow fans i think at 10 so uh just some interesting news on that front so i'm really excited though for this tournament i think it's be a lot of fun i hope i think if they can figure out covid which they seem like most of the conferences have done a good job with handling COVID for the most part but i'm interested to see how they handle it for the national tournament um So, yeah, it should be interesting. I'm excited to see um, these players shine on the national stage. And I'm excited for the Frozen Four to come up. Uh, I really missed it, especially since uh, we didn't get one last year. So, yeah. But that'll wrap up today's podcast. I really appreciate you guys listening to this. It means a lot to me. I'll see you guys on Monday with another great episode. And on Monday, I think, I'm not sure, I got to look into this but I'm going to try to do uh, two episodes on Monday one episode with the player interview and then another episode talking about the national tournament for the women's side because I'm assuming on Sunday night they'll announce the teams uh, in the matchups for that tournament uh, just because all the conference championships wrap up on Sunday Uh, but that's about it for this episode I really appreciate you guys listening all the way I'll see you guys on Monday with a great episode Have a good weekend. Enjoy some college hockey and just enjoy life in general. Peace, everyone. Bye.
2: Even when my teardrops start to dry. Even when the sun begins to shine again. Taking all the advice there is. None of it has helped Experience has made me